This is Undiet Your Life, and I'm your host, Delphine Pena. Hi, and welcome to Undiet Your Life. Yeah, you heard that right. I know we're in January, beginning of a brand new year. Everybody is talking about dieting, about actually dieting their lives up. And I'm talking about the opposite. How to take diet out of your life. What is wrong with that chick? You must be wondering. Oh, nothing. There's nothing wrong with me. Uh, And you're about to find out that actually that is precisely what helped me fix or right my wrongs, if I should say. So my name is Delphine Pena. I am a body image and eating behavior coach. And now you're thinking, you're a what coach? That's okay. That's okay. I get that all the time. I'm used to it. Okay. What does that mean? What that means is I help women and men. I get men sometimes. Um, essentially make peace with food, with their bodies, with their body image, and just go back, go back, I'm sorry, oh, what was that about? My accent came through. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm French. So you're going to get a little bit of that here and there. Sometimes there are words that I mispronounce, and if you want to go ahead and make fun of me, knock yourselves out. Do you know, by the way, that there's a very, very cool little function on Anchor where you can leave me messages yeah, you can leave me a little vo- uh, voicemail. So if you ever want to make a comment, leave a question or make suggestions or whatever, go for it. So yeah, you you might sometimes hear my accent come through. I've been here for a very long time, 19 years. But hey, what can I say? It's never going to completely go away. So let's go back to who I am and what I actually do. And why the hell should you listen to me? Okay. Uh, I'm 44 years old. I live in Miami. I know. (laughs) Poor me, right? Sorry about those of you who are freezing right now. And I've been helping women for many, many years. Um, Just embrace who they are, embrace their bodies and feel beautiful, love their bodies and stop torturing themselves with ridiculous diets that, by the way, do not work, and I'm going to talk extensively about that over the next few episodes, and just learn how to eat normally again. Just enjoy food, love food, eat real food, and, um, you know, just make peace with the whole thing in the process. And I've been doing it for many, many years, and this is what usually happens when you break away from the diet culture, which is essentially the culture we live in these days. Believe me, it's everywhere. We even push it down our kids' throats these days. Well, what happens is it brings you such a sense of liberation, freedom, that interestingly, what you were trying to achieve by restricting and um, controlling your body starts to happen naturally and without having to try. 
But let me give you a little bit of background on who I am so you better understand why I came to do this. Um, okay, so I just said it. I'm French, okay? Moved to the United States when I was 27 years old, all grown up, born and raised there, real French, okay? Not from Canada. I get that all the time. Oh, are you French-Canadian? No. Born and raised in France, French Alps, as a matter of fact. And you might think, okay, but wait, I thought French people have this really awesome, um, wholesome relationship to food and we get all these cliches about French women being so slender and so thin and being able to eat cheese and bread and drink wine all day long and never gain a pound. Okay, well, some of it is true. For the most part, yes, it's true. Uh, French culture has a relationship to food that is very relaxed and, um, how can I say, much more organic in a way. Our approach to food is very, very different than what we see here. First of all, food is mostly a social thing where I'm from. If those of you who have been to France will probably agree with that. You'll see French people getting together at lunch, at dinner, uh, take a two-hour lunch break. Yeah, we're famous for that. And it's mostly an excuse for us to get together in a very social way and engage in conversation, usually very heated debates. And yes, the food is a very central piece of the act of coming together. But it's not so much about eating. It's about sharing. It's about the communion. It's about communicating. We also value food very much as a um, tradition, very much as a central part of our culture. And it's very highly regarded and we very, very, very much respect food. To this day, we still have um, street markets, right? Food markets. Here in the United States, we make a big stink of it when we have those um, farmer's markets, you know, around the corner. And it's like something that is so extraordinary and, and unique. Well, where I'm from, they're actually very normal. We have them everywhere. And I know uh, I sound a little jaded when I say that, but for us, it's actually, it's actually how it should be. So having said that, I come from a family of foodies, I should probably say. My brother is a chef. We have caterers. We have pastry chefs. We have sommeliers in the family. So yes, I grew up in a very, very healthy environment when it comes to food. I also grew up um, in the countryside, surrounded by farms, animals. So, so far, so good. Um, now, here's where everything kind of started to go to shit. Uh, growing up, <laughs> bear with me, things were kind of, um, hmm, how should I put it, rocky. I am the youngest of three. My mom is absolutely delightful, by the way. I absolutely love her. She's, seriously, she's a sweetheart. My mom's really, really amazing. She lives to please people, take care of you. If you were ever to come to my house, first thing she would probably do is cook you something. Great cook, by the way. But my dad is a whole different story. Um, he has bipolar disorder. Pretty bad. So growing up was a little chaotic. 
Um, I come from a very loving home. Don't get me wrong. I was never abused, none of that. But it was definitely very eventful. And let's just say that I grew up with a deeply rooted sense of, hmm, I'm trying to think of the right word, insecurity, I guess, you know, that my dad could at any point completely lose his mind and leave the house and go and do something crazy, which quite frankly, he would do on a regular basis. Um, as a result, I had a mother who was very, very, very focused on trying to keep a sense of, you know, security or at least something that resembled security and unfortunately was not as attentive and present as she wanted to be. Um, she herself didn't have the healthiest of body image. She had the whole diet talk. And mind you, this was back in the 70s. I was born in 74. And as a little kid, I remember my mom constantly talking about wanting to lose a little weight. She was, she was always either on a diet or about to go on a diet. Uh, the 80s came around, slim fast, um, what else, Weight Watchers, yeah, we were in Europe, but guess what, we were not immune to that, and she went on just about every stupid diet you could possibly think of, so even though I'm, I'm certainly not blaming my mom, don't, don't misunderstand me, this was kind of the influence I grew up with, my mom was a beautiful woman, by the way, really, really, um, really good looking woman, but a little bit insecure uh, when it, came to, when it came, came to her look. And there's, there's a whole background behind that, but I'll spare you because then we're going to get really, really deep and dramatic. And that's not the point of this whole podcast. I turned 14 and well, typical 14 year old girl, my body started to change and I'm starting to get a lot of attention from just about everyone, you know, kids at school, neighbors, family members, and I'm not sure what to do with all this attention. And it's not the kind of attention that I was hungry for at the time. It's awkward. Um, I'm getting a lot of comments that I don't really know what to make of. I don't know if they're meant as compliments or criticism. Um, like I said before, things are very chaotic at, at home. My dad is really verbally and mentally abusive to my mother. All right, you get the picture. Things are pretty, uh, things are pretty shitty. So I figured that one way I could get a sense of control over things was by controlling my body, which trust me, is a very, very, very typical scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm textbook. The story I'm telling you could be the story of just any random 14-year-old girl anywhere in the world today, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, really. I'm really nothing special at this point. And I started dieting. I was 14 years old. I did not need to lose weight, by the way. Let me make that very, very clear. I was a skinny kid. So skinny, as a matter of fact, that my, my older brother, the one who became a chef, had a funny nickname for me. He used to call me Spaghetti. Um, certainly didn't need to lose any weight. I was, I was healthy. I was, I was thin. But I decided that I was going to 
lose a few pounds just to get all that attention off of me. Now, here's what happened. My mother, forget about my dad. My dad was completely oblivious to anything that happened around him because he was constantly caught up in his own head. My mother, instead of actually worrying about me being 14 and going on a diet, was so caught up in this whole diet culture herself that she actually supported my initiative. Yeah. She actually enabled me to go on my first diet by, I remember at the time, um, there was this sort of liquid cleanse that everybody was going on. It was disgusting. Ugh, I still remember the taste of it in the back of my mouth. This is how bad it was. And we're talking more than 30 years ago. Uh, well, actually, no, exactly 30 years ago because I'm 44. She actually went ahead and got it for me and said, all right, I don't have a problem with you wanting to do it. Just make sure you stick to it because this stuff is expensive. Ugh, God. Anyways, went on a diet, lost a few pounds, and what felt like very unwanted, awkward, weird, uncomfortable attention from just about everybody before suddenly turned into very positive feedback. Now I'm starting to get all these compliments, all this praise from the other girls at school. Um, well, from my mother to begin with, <laughs> but I can't blame her. She herself was under the spell of this constant reminder that us women are under, that if we manage to look a certain way, then we are going to be validated. So again, I'm not, I'm really not blaming her. If anything, she's just, she's just on the receiving end of that stupid myth that being beautiful and being skinny equals being happy, which I am really now trying to debunk. But anyways, um, so I'm starting to get all this positive feedback from everyone. And Unfortunately, at my young age, what I concluded was that losing weight was actually a good thing. Being thin and being able to control my body was actually the way I was going to get validation, the way I was going to be noticed in a positive way, and that I needed to keep this up. What I didn't realize at the time, of course, I had no idea that I was setting myself up for practically a lifetime of misery. You see, dieting actually has an impact on your hormonal balance and on your health as a whole that is extremely, extremely difficult to reverse. It really disrupts your hormonal balance. It has such a grip on I almost want to say your mental health. I know this sounds a little dramatic, but that's that's really what it is. We don't realize that as young girls, young women, women, young or not so young, we don't realize that dieting is not just this little casual thing that we're doing so we can fit in our bikini or in our dress to go to our girlfriend's wedding or to fit in our own wedding dress. And once we reach our ideal weight, we'll be able to walk into sunset and we'll be done with it. No, it has long-term consequences. And the problem is that we're never warned about that by anybody. And certainly not by the diet industry. Certainly not by them. 
I'm going to get to that in a second. Now, I think at the time, if I remember correctly, I was able to uh, go on with my little cleanse or whatever it was for probably a couple of months, which, which was a long time when you're 14 and you know, you're going through all these physical changes. But it didn't fail. About a month into it, I started to give into horrible, horrible cravings. And very early on, I started to fall into the whole restriction binge um, cycle, which is very, very familiar to most of us women who have um, been dieting at some point or who maybe are currently dieting, if that is your case right now. We're the beginning of the year, right? We're in January. I'm guessing some of you are once again making the new year resolution of let me guess what are you what are you calling it eating clean yeah eating healthy what else are you calling it um watching your weight getting in shape oh that's a big one yeah usually women will tell you no no i just want to get in shape i just want to eat better i just want to eat cleaner what we don't realize is that we are so condition by the diet culture that we live in, right? The diet talk has become so normal these days that we don't realize that this is all code. It's all code really for dieting and dieting is restriction. You may not agree with that. Maybe right now you're hearing me say this and there's a part of you in your head that's like, oh, come on. Come on, women, aren't you taking this a little too far? But, but, but bear with me. I know that part of you feels like, but what I'm doing is good for me. Come on, it's healthy. I'm eating my vegetables. I'm cutting down on sugar. I'm cutting down on this. I'm, I'm lowering my cholesterol. I'm lowering my possible diabetes at some time, or at least I'm lowering the risks of developing diabetes. I'm lowering the risks of having um, heart failure. Okay, I'm not disputing that. All of these are very valid and legitimate reasons to want to have a healthier uh, diet, granted. Now, what you need to understand is that there is a subliminal message behind all of this that food is evil that food is dirty right and that food really should be um almost held with a one foot pole sorry about that i hope you didn't get that on the audio you probably did i just dropped something um what what happens is that we end up mistrusting food i'm seeing all the time i mean for crying out loud we've gotten to a point where we are afraid of fruit i'm seeing posts on social media about people telling us not to eat fruit jesus fruit because it's too high in sugar the biggest problem with all that is that all of these messages that we're receiving on a daily basis, by the way, are coming from unreliable sources. That's one. Yeah, unreliable sources, because I'm sorry, but the 
the fitness gurus and the um, internet uh, influencers, you know, I'm not going to do what, you know what, I can do whatever I want. This is my podcast. The Instagram influencers and whatnot are simply not qualified to give nutritional advice. They're just not. I'm sorry. They don't hold uh, a certification in nutrition. They might. They might very be very well intentioned. I'm not. I'm not denying that. But the bottom line is, they have no business giving people nutritional advice. And some of them take it pretty pretty fucking far. I'm watching them post. Uh, eating plan and actual diet. Some of them suddenly wake up one morning and put on their their nutritionist's hats. I'm like, how did you wake up one morning and decide that you are uh, the right person to go and answer people's questions about their health? I mean, come on, there's a responsibility that lies with that. And when I'm seeing people post things that are pretty intense and extreme about you should be cutting all gluten or sugar or this or that, you have to really take everything that these people are saying with a grain of salt because you'll end up like that little French girl, 14-year-old French girl that I used to be who ended up Um, buying every single magazine. Yes, at the time we didn't have the internet in our homes the way we do now. Frantically searching for every single article I could get my hands on that would teach me how to manipulate and control my weight and my body. And what happened? Well, what happened is that I developed a nasty, 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 Can I say it one more time? Okay, let me say it one more time. Nasty eating disorder that went on for 18 years. Okay, now you're listening to this and you don't have to have necessarily a full-blown eating disorder. Okay, I get that. But if you fall in the category of women, and by the way, according to... um, surveys and statistics that's nine women out of ten which i think is pretty pretty frightening if you fall in the category of women who report being unhappy with the way they look and disliking their bodies and i'm being very broad because i i I was recently reading uh, the latest reports about that specific survey which is a survey that is done on a regular basis um uh, they, of course, they get a little bit more specific about it. It could mean anything when they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with my body. Okay, tell me more. What exactly do you mean by that? Are you dissatisfied with your weight? Would you get, uh, would you get um, um, plastic surgery? Are you afraid of, of aging? Clearly, they break it down into different um, um, categories. Uh, and by they, I'm referring to a specific, um, university that does a lot of research on eating behaviors, uh, and the state of, you know, body image issues in women in the United States and most Western countries today, which is absolutely fascinated. If you're interested in seeing these studies, please let me know. I'll share those results with you. Okay. If you fall in that category of women, right? 
who wakes up every single morning and takes a shower, gets out of the shower, stands in front of the mirror, uh, and kinds of uh, cringes at her reflection in the mirror, meaning you have a hard time looking at yourself naked. You, you pick yourself apart. You're very critical of the way you look. You can't look in the mirror and just look at your reflection and either stay neutral or actually have anything nice to say about your body or your face. Well, then, then you'll definitely... Us women spend so much time focusing on our looks, our body, our weight, food, what we eat, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, what we just ate, what we are going to eat. Um, searching the internet for ways to control our diets, ways to manipulate our bodies, ways to burn fat, ways to get slimmer, ways to slow down the aging process. And I could go on and on and on and on. You know exactly what I mean. I almost feel like these are the kind of preoccupations that occupy, <laughs> you know, most of our thoughts. And I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I know it was for me for many years, for 18 years as a matter of fact, because my, my little love affair with dieting and excessive exercising started at 14 and it went on until uh, the age of 32 when I actually decided to seek professional help. But I, I'm currently working with several uh, women, several clients, and I've been doing it for many years. I talk to women on a regular basis. They reach out to me to find out about my programs. I'm very active in a couple of support groups online. I used to be part of what we used to call forums at the time, you know, before we had um, Facebook and all that and, and whatnot. Uh, I had a support group that I started in New York City back when I lived in New York. Um, where I had, I think, close to 90 members at one point. So believe me, I've been talking to women for many years. And over the years, I think I probably collected data, opinions, stories from, without exaggeration, several hundreds if not thousands of women. And what I know for a fact is that there are so many of us out there who could be contributing to our communities, to our families, um, well, to our own lives to begin with in such impactful ways, right? There are so many of us who have dreams of pursuing artistic careers. My God, I don't know, even political careers for what I know of becoming mothers, of um, starting relationships, getting married, of going back to school, um, all sorts of things. And we hold back on doing these things because we don't feel that we're good enough. And a lot of times when you start digging a little deeper, feeling that we're good enough 
really comes down to being afraid of presenting ourselves, of um, putting ourselves in front of people. If it requires speaking in front of an audience, um, if it requires even sometimes interviewing, we become so self-conscious about our looks. We begin convincing ourselves that some other women who's better looking, who's thinner maybe, is going to get the job and we're not. That the guy that we like is not even going to notice us because there's some other girl somewhere who is more attractive than us who is going to get his attention. We um, manage to convince ourselves subconsciously um, that even though we have so much to share and we could be we can be inspiring people. No, we're not going to apply for that TED talk because come on, I have 15 or 20 pounds to lose. Who am I to go on the TED uh, stage? Um, I could be a fantastic dancer or actor, but ugh, with this body, are you kidding me? Hell no. Or I don't know. Um, women who feel like they're too old or they look too old. Um, women who are born to be fantastic mothers, they just have it in them. They're, they're just so incredibly caring and motherly but are terrified of actually going through with motherhood and pregnancy because it took them so much work to get their bodies to where it is. It is so hard to maintain the weight loss, can you imagine what that would do to my body? Are you kidding me? Get pregnant? Hell no. I would get huge. I hear it. I hear it all the time. I hear it every day in my practice when women reach out to me. And what's even more heartbreaking is that these women have been on some kind of a fad diet for um, the better part of their lives. They know deep down that it doesn't work. They know in the same way that I knew when I reached 32 years old after I had been on more than 20 different diets. I kid you not, I did the math the other day. 20 different diets. After I had put my body through, well, <laughs> no pun intended, thick and thin, right? After I had been very underweight, and overweight, I have been on both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. After I, I, I had managed to reach what I believed at the time was my ideal, quote unquote, weight, not understanding that what we believe to be our ideal weight is not the weight that we are genetically programmed to be. What is typically referred to as the set point and therefore is impossible to maintain. Even after I had managed to do all these things, I was still unhappy. I was still unhappy. I was more obsessed than ever because the work it required to maintain that weight loss, right? The anxiety that it caused me, the fear of gaining the weight back, was just not worth it. The isolation also, let's talk about that. You know, when we decide that we um, are going to lose some weight, especially if you are someone who 
has a lot of, of, of weight to lose, then it requires such discipline that you start cutting yourself off from the rest of the world. You start turning down invitations to social gathering. You start turning down invitations on dates. You start even sometimes turning down offers for uh, job interviews. I did it. I did it. I did it. I was once, um, well, I can't say invited, but I, I got an answer to a job offer and at the time, I was probably at one of my highest weights. Uh, by the way, uh, just so you know, I have a rule in my podcast. I don't actually mention numbers, so you're, you're never going to hear me say how low my weight ever got or how high. But when I tell you that I got severely underweight and that I got pretty overweight, I'm just, just trust me on that. Um, and I... Turned down, I turned down the job interview because I was at one of my highest weight and I felt like I would get turned down for the job. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna start telling you how many times I turned down invitations to do fun things. Um, so I know, I know what this mentality of feeling like we're not gonna start living our lives until we finally have the body and the looks that match the perfect life that we've made up in our heads. I know exactly what that feels like. So please, please do not think for a second that I'm being judgmental here because everything I'm talking about, I've been there. I've done it. If anything, I've done it even more than anybody. I'm, I'm guiltier than anyone. But what I also know is that as much as I thought I could keep this up, right? As much as I thought it was only a matter of finally finding the right diet. I, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, just like I'm hearing my, my clients today fall into that, uh, that trap, go, fall for that myth not understanding that it's it's not about them they're not the problem they still believe that well that they are that there's something wrong with them that if everybody else is successful sorry successful at dieting because they, they think so they don't realize that no nobody is successful at dieting there's just people that are a little more successful at hiding how much it sucks and how much they hate it they just put on a better front at pretending that restriction in this life of clean eating is fabulous and they love it. <laughs> no, they don't. Trust me. I've also been there. And as a matter of fact, in a few weeks from now, um, I have an episode scheduled about uh, the fitness world, which I was a part of at some point. And Believe me, there's just as much misery in this world as there is in the non-fitness fitness world. So I, too, believed for a very long time that it was only a matter of finding the right one. You know, the growl, the, um, the, the purple unicorn, that perfect diet. I kept on trying. I kept on trying all the new ones, thinking eventually I'm just going to find the right one. The, the diet that will allow me to stay on it without starving, 
remain on it for the rest of my life so I can finally achieve that perfect body that I thought was the key to all my problems and most of all that I thought would finally allow me to accept myself and love myself. Well, needless to say, that never happened. Um, the only thing that happened was that over the years, I completely exhausted my body, completely exhausted my metabolism, uh, and ended up actually having pretty severe health issues. I ended up in my 30s with um, high cholesterol, uh, PCOS, um, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, for those of you who don't know what that means. I had, I had several very, very large um, cysts on my ovaries, bleeding cysts, by the way. Sorry, I know this is a little graphic, but those are very, very painful. Um, I had uh, gallstones. <laughs> yeah, I had one in particular that was the size of a walnut and that could at any time get stuck in the duodenal tube and I was warned that if I didn't do something about it I could potentially die. Uh, I had been restricting, starving myself for so long now that my electrolytes were very low and therefore I was also at risk of heart failure. Uh, I suffered debilitating depression. I mean what, they, what doctors usually refer to as clinical depression, the kind that resists to medication and treatment. I had suicidal thoughts. Yep, I'm not ashamed to say it. I had suicidal thoughts, uh, very much so, especially in my mid-twenties. Uh, what else? I had major dental problems. My, my teeth were chipping from the lack of just everything, you know, nutrients, calcium, everything. I had, um, my bones were very brittle. I had, I think, a total of, let's see, three or four fractures uh, over the course of 20 years, which is, it, it's a lot more than the average. Uh, basically, I would move and break a bone. So I reached my 30s and um, pretty much realized that this was just not working anymore. Um, I was also mentally exhausted with the whole thing. And that's pretty much when I decided that I needed to, to seek some serious help. Not that I had not seeked help before because I was very much in denial of the fact that I had an eating disorder. Or to be more specific, I refused to call it that. I knew there was something wrong with me. Clearly, I knew. I mean, nobody would... Um, spend the entire day, you know, surviving on lettuce and water and then go home and eat enormous amounts of food in a very short period of time to the point of making yourself sick and then go to bed feeling absolutely disgusted and, and, and ashamed and angry with yourself. That's pretty much the definition of binge eating or emotional eating, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I knew this was not a normal uh, behavior, but I just wasn't ready to label it anything. Uh, I had gone to therapy for many years. I think I tried a total of, let's see, six therapists, completely exhausted these poor people. Uh, not that they were not competent, mind you, they were great doctors, but I was the one who was very, 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 very resistant to treatment, which is also in my experience, quite typical of uh, people who are very controlling of their self-image. They have a tendency to 
resist treatment and protect their behavior. They're not willing to comply and let it go because there's a part of them that keeps on holding on to the idea and the hope that they can, that they will eventually be successful. So they are, believe me, um, usually women and men who are really, really difficult to work with because they understand that they need to get better, but there's a part of them that is definitely not willing to work with um, the caregivers. And this is exactly where I was at 30 years old, understanding that my, my life depended on it essentially, but my mind was nowhere near ready to let go of that very, very stubborn fantasy of reaching, well, the one thing that we all know doesn't exist, perfection. Uh, yet I had no choice. I had absolutely no choice uh, because one thing I have come to understand, and this is probably the one thing that you need to retain from this whole episode. Um, in the 13 years that followed my recovery, because I have been in recovery for 13 years now, uh, and I spent those 13 years educating myself, studying, getting several certifications, the one thing I learned is this, and this is pre pretty much to, summar to, to, to summarize, the reason why diets will simply never work and restriction will simply never work. You cannot sustain restriction for an extended period of time because you are fighting your body. You're fighting um, genetics and you're fighting nature and that's a battle that let me tell you my darling you're never gonna win I'm sorry to say as much as your mind is telling you that if you just keep on trying a little harder that there's always tomorrow to start over as much as the diet industry the media the social media the fitness gurus everybody else you're your best friend Jen, um, not going to name any names, but you know, s some TV hosts who have been on a lifetime diet want you to believe that if you just keep on trying, keep on trying a little harder, just if this one doesn't work, then try that one. It doesn't work that way because your body is an extraordinarily uh, well-designed machine. Actually, it's near perfection. You may not feel that way right now because you're probably thinking, yeah, right, perfection. Psst. Perfection, my butt. I'm 15, 20, 30, 50 pounds overweight right now. I'm far from perfection. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Actually, you are. And I'm going to tell you why. Because despite everything you've put yourself through, well, one, you're still here. Okay, two, here's why your body is actually incredibly smart. And when it comes to um, weight, food, uh, restriction, etc., our bodies are actually way smarter than our minds because our brain is divided in two parts. And I'm not going to get too technical about this because you probably don't care. But there's one part that is basically designed for us to think, um, you know, uh, 
have opinions, ideas, uh, analyze, comprehend. Okay, you get it. This is the part that is actually listening to this podcast right now. That's the part that makes you who you are. And there's another part that's located right in the back of your head, which is typically referred to as the animal brain. That part is not programmed to think or analyze. Nope. That part has one job, one single job. And that job is to keep you alive. And this is exactly the part that is triggered whenever you find yourself in a situation of um, danger. When you feel a threat or an immediate danger. Um, Say, for example, you're being chased or, I don't know, there's a wildfire, any, anything of that sort. That is the part of the brain that is triggered and that will basically put you in a fight-or-flight reaction. When you start restricting dieting, well, the part of your brain that think it's a fabulous idea, right, that you're doing something great, um, that, that is precisely what is going to get you in your bikini or your wedding dress, This part may think that you're doing something good, something rational. This part may try to justify what you're doing, but this part is simply never going to win against the other part, which is the animal brain, and is always going to overpower the process because the animal brain is here to make sure you're staying alive. And dieting is perceived as essentially an attempt to kill yourself. I know right now you're like, oh, give me a break. Really, dieting is an attempt to kill myself? Well, then what about my doctor telling me that I need to go on a diet if I want my cholesterol to go down? Okay, well, this is all very nice. But what you need to ask yourself is why do you have cholesterol in the first place? Dieting is not going to fix the problem because it's not looking at the root of the issue, which is your relationship to food. Dieting never fixes that. It's a quick fix. It's a band-aid over a wound. And dieting doesn't teach you to really take a good look at how you relate to food and how you relate to your body. And this is actually what you need to do. So dieting is simply never going to work because the minute you start to restrict, well, not the minute, usually it takes about a couple of weeks to maybe a month at best for your body to recognize that you are in a severe scarcity mode, essentially famine, right? Um, like you're, you're potentially going to die and to trigger a reaction, which is to make you crave the foods that you are avoiding. It's no coincidence that when you're going low carb, the things you want the most are sweets. When you're going gluten-free, the things you crave the most are going to be pasta or pizza. It's no coincidence. Your body knows exactly what it's doing. It's going to basically force you to eat the foods that you're avoiding because it's essentially making sure that you have all of your needs and all of your nutrients covered and you can fight it all you want you're simply not going to win okay took me many years to understand and accept that fact now remember i told you 
for years and years and years. Here I am trying desperately to control, manipulate, get to a place where I pretty much never went. At 32 years old, I essentially had to sit down and sign a, well not sign, it was more of a verbal contract, moral contract with um, my nutritionist at the time. I ended up getting help from a nutritionist who specialized in um, binge eating disorder. She herself was a recovered binge eater, by the way. And to give up dieting altogether, which was the most frightening thing I had ever done in my life. Let me tell you, I was terrified, terrified. I I was convinced that if I ever gave up dieting, I was going to get huge as a house. Well, I didn't. It didn't happen. Um, Did I gain a little bit of weight in the beginning? Yeah, a little, a little, I don't know. I don't know exactly how much. Uh, again, I'm not going to use numbers. So, But nothing dramatic, nothing that anybody even noticed but myself. Did I have to go through some side effects of, you know, some rebound um, that my body needed to go through in order to adjust and eventually heal? Yeah, and that was difficult. That was very difficult. You know, you basically have to give some time to your body to repair itself, your digestive functions, um, the whole balance needs to be restored. And that part wasn't fun, but it didn't go on forever. It only went on for maybe a few months or so. Now, here's the best part. This is what you need to hear. The sense of liberation oh god the weight that was interesting choice of words the weight that was taken off my back literally the minute i was given permission to stop dieting now that i can't even put into words as much as I had incredible anxiety and I was very afraid and and giving up control was something that was really difficult to the control freak that I was at the time. At the same time, there was this sense of, I can finally excel. And I went with a program, which I think took me at the time a little less than six months for me to really, really grasp on my own and really know that I could go on and and um, and not relapse relapsing is normal by the way and again if you're not someone who's dealing with a full-on eating disorder you may be thinking well but that doesn't apply to me okay it doesn't have to apply to you but again remember if you're somebody who spends most of her time worrying about her weight her image, her reflection in the mirror, food, if it occupies most of your thoughts, then without going to that extreme, you probably need, or at least you probably should consider um, a a good makeover with your relationship to food and your body and a lot of the method I use with my clients is based off of what I did with that doctor at the time. Um, but at, like I said, the sense of 
absolute liberation that I got from it was bar none. Most interestingly is I, at the time, was, like I said, very, very, very depressed. Um, symptoms of depression were gone in a matter of, I don't know, a month. I hadn't feel, felt that good in years. I hadn't felt that good if ever. And then from that point on, it just kept on getting better and better and better and better. And I just felt like I was being rekindled with the person that I was always meant to be, but who was completely choked by really the, the, the tyranny of, of dieting and obsession with my weight and my looks. And um, it's been an amazing ride ever since. I mean, I'm looking at the, the, the woman that I am today and the woman I was 13 years ago, and it's almost difficult to connect the two. And I barely recognize myself in, um, well, I can't say pictures because I don't even have pictures from back then, but in some of the, the memories that I have from that time, I would never go back. I would never go back for anything. You could pay me a fortune and I would never go back on a diet, ever. And you know what else is really interesting is that eating everything I wanted, everything I wanted, but simply by learning how to reconnect by my, my, my natural physical uh, sensations of hunger, fullness, by simply trusting my body to know exactly what it needed to do, which, again, trust me, is, is not an easy thing to do. It requires, it requires some, some faith and it requires some work. Um, well, I ended up actually stabilizing my weight. I did lose the weight that I was so desperately trying to lose for all these years, but I could simply never seem to get it to where it was supposed to be. It, it got there on its own without even trying. And it's been 13 years and I never gained it back. Never. Um, and I eat literally everything, everything but oysters. I hate them. They're disgusting. I think they look like snut. Sorry. I just hate oysters. But other than that, I eat everything. I eat absolutely everything. I, I live in a, a state of mind of no restriction, period, with anything. With anything. I feel like something, I get it. I feel like sleep, I take a nap. I feel like uh, taking a run, I go for a run. I feel like I need physical contact, I go and hug my husband. I, I live in a permanent state of no restriction. And that is beauty. So if you're curious about how to do that, feel free to contact me. I'm more than happy to share with you some of the steps. Uh, and in my next episode, we're going to talk about why diets don't work. Yep, I'm going to get a little deeper on that subject because mm, 
There's a lot to say about that. Thanks for listening.